So, I'm no longer consoleless. What? Game consoles. You bought one? I did. What? I bought an Xbox 360. Apparently, one million other people did as well. What? I didn't see this. Yeah, I decided I'd throw a surprise in there for you at the beginning of the show. 900,000 Xbox consoles in a week? Yeah, it was the biggest week of sales ever. What? Was it because, oh, did they have the Kinect bundle? Yeah, $200 uh, for a Kinect. Well, wait, here's where it's even better. I bought it at Walmart, which I felt a little bit bad about because I generally don't try to shop at Walmart. But it was $200, plus you got a $50 gift card for Walmart. So I got the Xbox Kinect bundle, plus three extra games, plus the game it came with, all for $210 after tax. Well, do you like it? Yeah. The Kindle or the Kinect is really cool. I thought about writing a review, and then I'm like, well, if this was two years ago, I think we'd be right in line but and i was like eh. i mean maybe i would be interested to hear if you think this is the future or not yeah i'll if probably write something is, up especially as like a non-gamer who was like wow this is really cool right because there's a lot of talk about the mobile space being like the space for um gaming but if you can vindicate the console market well, wait like here's hear. where it gets crazy so i meant to tell you this as well so I bought FIFA Soccer 2012 for the uh, yeah 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 for the iPad because that's mm-hmm. what I like to do, and I have an Apple TV, so you can you can do AirPlay or whatever. Now EA has released an app where you can use your iPhone as the controller, right. and it shoots to your. It was the coolest thing ever. So I was it was like I was on a console, but I wasn't, right. and it was laggy as all get out. <laughs> but so it's not. It's okay. It's okay. like playing on a Nintendo 64, not an Xbox. So I, I think it's cool that we're there, and I thought it was interesting. Mm. So maybe I'd want to hear if you think that's the future or this is or right. mainly so interesting. Yeah. Anyway. So back to the show. Weekly download episode number 22. Sorry for our one week hiatus. You know how Thanksgiving can be. But boy, am I full. A lot of, a lot of closed stuff and we were closed as well. But we're back for business and because we took two weeks, that means we have more to talk about. The first thing... Which is old, sort of old news, is this uh, Google Music. So you can now go to music.google.com and you can go and sign up for free and upload, I guess it's 20 gigabytes of music. Was that what it is? Yeah, I think it's quite a bit, actually. 20 gigabytes of music into your cloud and you get to listen to it whenever you want. That's pretty much it. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think I have. Oh, like, not twenty gigabytes. I'm sorry, twenty thousand songs. Right. I've got like ten thousand or eleven thousand in there. I upgraded and to iCloud. Now my Google account with my i with my at me dot com address is all kinds of screwed up, and I can't use any of my Google services. Darn. Yeah. So what do you think? I, You've been using it since beta. Right. I think uh, we talked about it before. We did. I don't particularly like it. I think you mentioned even in that post really quickly. It uses Flash. Oh it's my old god! News. Let's get out of here. I couldn't even. I couldn't even use it because it was on Flash. It, like it's half Flash, half Google. Right. <laughs> it's like this Frankenstein sort of application. So I immediately just turned it off. I mean, like I've said on previous shows, that streaming all your music is just a silly idea. It doesn't really make any sense. Right. I have originally thought streaming was way cool, but iCloud. I really like iTunes Match been using it since beta right love it yeah but look weekly download is hey google music yeah what what is that is that's what you this is all my music oh okay i thought that was their store or something no 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 darn all right yeah so that's it any any uh anything you like about it particular uh no i mean i think it's a clunky 
I, I'd rather just use iTunes, to be honest with you. I, mm. I don't like the interface that much. I mean, there's not a whole lot to it. It's simple, I suppose. Nothing. I just... It's slow. Yeah, slow. You got to, like, do this weird click, double What's click. What's this thumbs up, thumbs down stuff I don't use it, but it's just a rating. Uh, people, I believe that you just can maybe then sort it. I didn't play with this a whole lot, to be honest with you, because I thought it was kind of junk. Huh. Yeah, then you can just sort by your thumb up or thumb down. Wow, that's kind of interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, there's been lots of research that shows that people either vote five or one stars, not right. really in between, so this kind of exploits that. But, um, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know about taking the time of whatever amount of days you have to upload your music. Right, it took, How long uh, did it take? It took like, five, it took like yeah. five days on a pretty fast network. Well... If you guys have any feedback on Google Music, I'd like to hear it. I and mean, if you got five days to upload <laughs> your songs, well, get back to us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then there's the usual suspects that we have yet to talk about. There's phones and there's tablets and lions there's, and tigers. There's lions and, and right. <laughs> uh, phones. So Kindle phone. Happening or not happening? I don't think so. I think this is an interesting space that... Uh, that they've done with tablets, but I just, I don't see the need for a phone. I don't think, I mean, since it's still based off the Android OS, I just, I don't, I've always don't sat as there. a top level service. They've always sat as like a service that feeds into a bunch of phones. What's the motivation for having a right, phone? Right, that's sort of my, like, why? I mean, uh, you have the tablet form factor, which allows for reading and it's bigger and it has uh, different, uh, here's a design word, affordances, than a uh, phone. You know, with a phone, you can't read a whole lot on screen. You, uh, the games are okay, but they're not high quality. Right. And, and besides, Amazon hasn't made their own OS. They're it's using a, yeah. Android right now. So why would they, you know, reach out and for a flavor of, you know. Now, now the Kindle phone is probably going to be, if that does exist, it's going to be more like a parallel to the Facebook phone which is Facebook's going to just tell HTC to make their phone. Right. But it's going to be Facebook branded. I think that's what really this is about. And it's like an Amazon branded phone. Just like just like the, the Kindle. Nexus, uh, yeah. Well, just like how the Kindle tablet is a BlackBerry playbook, is a playbook that's branded the QNX playbook. That's right. branded yeah, same, for the same hardware, but Amazon. It's the same thing. So, according to this, you know, maybe they take like an HTC phone, right? And then just slap the Amazon name on it and build 30% it off of gross Google margin. Android. Exactly from the article, boom. <clears throat> so life's great. So, yeah, I mean, it could happen. A lot of these platforms are looking <clears throat> at that thing as well. I was sick over Thanksgiving. Oh, that's terrible. So, a lot of these platforms are looking to capitalize in the mobile space and it makes sense because it's there's so much opportunity there still with only one incumbent in the space like with apple so we'll probably see a facebook phone an amazon phone um maybe a uh yahoo phone maybe an hp phone uh you know uh, you know who knows what they're doing but the point is is that when you're a service and you can have complete control of your distribution that's the model, really. Right, and it's a win for two companies in the sense that HTC is never going to say, we're not making this for you. Because, I mean, yeah, it may not be branded HTC, but HTC is still making money on every phone that's sold. The biggest problem with this announcement is that it comes by 4Q12, so the fourth quarter of 12, 2012. And by the then, fourth I mean, quarter. Yeah. So by then you have the new iPhone, you have the Windows phone, 
you have Android's next big, the big thing. I mean, can they really penetrate a market at that I point? Just, yeah, that's why I just don't feel like this is uh, their best move. But we'll see. Okay. And then, speaking of Windows. Yeah, big big news. Windows Marketplace passes 40,000 apps. I mean, keeping in mind, for perspective, you know, iPhone has, uh, iOS has 500,000. Right. And I think Android is close. I think it's like a little under that. But I think it's 400,000, 450,000 yeah. something. Yeah. So, I mean, it's obvious this is the number three spot, but it's it's still something and they're still making headway. But the headway. real kicker is momentum. Right. So, in the last 30 days, 85% of submissions were apps, 160 items a day. So, there's 160 apps submitted a day. And then 10,882 were added in the last 90 days from November 16th. Right, so a quarter and 4, of 4,770 were added in the last 30 days. So you can see there's this kind it's of gaining, a growth yeah. trend that's a little exponential, but mostly linear. But I think over time with better phones... Right, and know, Nokia's announcement that the phone that you like so much... Yeah, the Lumio 800. Right, is coming to the States uh, sometime around CES, so in January. Right, which I'm so excited about. Are Believe you actually, me, are you I, buy that? I may jump on that ship. I may sell this iPhone 4S and go all out. You just heard it here. It. I, and when he doesn't buy it, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm really intrigued. I think that it's the first time I've seen a phone that does something different. I'm looking for a fresh perspective. I think after, okay, so now I've been using this iPhone 4S for about two weeks or a week and right. a half. And Siri, I've started to see its faults. Um, and the service lag is pretty bad, too. For some reason, we're having problems with AT&T here in Bloomington, I think, personally. Yeah. yeah. But... Um, with Siri, though, when you suffer, when AT&T suffers, Siri is oh, decrepit. Oh, definitely. I noti- I've noticed that as well, playing with playing with someone else. I mean, it's not like when you make a phone call, you make a phone call, and, it, and you can still get the phone call. You either right. get the Siri or you well, don't. Well, you'll get the uh, scrolling little right. Siri's thinking for a long time. Or you get the three dots when you've dictated. Right. So but you, HSPA Plus is pretty nice. When I was in Indianapolis, I was fiddling with it, and it's pretty fast. Yeah, I guess so. But like, <laughs> like that. yeah, I guess. So. I mean, but uh, it's not my target market, so right, I don't yeah. really care. I mean, maybe when it comes over here, it'll be a different story. But even then, like, there's this, there's definitely this lag. You know, see, if I were to do a Siri implementation of dictation, just on a side note, it would be while I'm while I'm saying stuff, it would dictate while I'm saying it rather than process it all after you right it. right mm-hmm. and even though it is processing it in the background because by the time i finish my long paragraph of a sentence it already has it dictated so i know it's happening in the background right. but it's not showing me that it's happening because then i can quickly remedy mistakes or something yeah, so be like, back, hey, change yeah. that or something there's definitely some faults with that but um again it's a cool it's cool for the simple task that it can do but right. The thing about the Windows phone that pulls me so much is the new interface, the fresh look at people, and the way how it relates that. Sort of throwing the phone aside and saying, put people first. Stop yeah. worrying about all the other stuff. <clears throat> it, it, it puts your content first. It doesn't really put the whole apps. Because when I use my phone, I'm not an apps guy. I mean, people are apps people, and you see that all over the place. Right. And that was started the revolution. But now... I'm more focused on core functionality and deep-rooted system-level ability. Which is what they do. Ability. 
which is what the Windows Phone does. Right. Whereas with the iOS is purposefully sandboxing everything so it can only access certain elements. And we're slowly seeing some deeper integration, but very cautiously and sort of well, barely getting your feet wet. So just on another digression, I use Alfred. I'm a right. big fan. But you can't use the Power Pack unless you go to the Alfred website and download it, and then you can use it. So then you can navigate the file system using, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or you can play, you know, well, or you can iTunes, and then you can use a mini player right there. Mm-hmm. So, but you can't do that in uh, w- uh, through the Mac App Store because the Mac App Store requires sandbox. Oh, apps. right. So you can't. Yeah, so you, you can't get access to these things, system level stuff. Right. And to me, you know, there's a case for why this Android and Windows push or the way well see android is all about open source and all about like reaching deep right, into but they the sort of system, complicate the experience but they complicate the experiment the wind experience but the windows phone does a healthy balance of both right it knows what sort of experience it needs to provide by going into system level but it's not all on an island within an application which is why i like the philosophy of the way they go but and the only app i use is words with friends <laughs> Seriously, what a high that's roller. the only it's the only app I paid for that one. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, I did pay for it because I hate ads. I pay for Pandora. I pay for Pandora too. So, but that's pretty much it. And I use Sportacular because I want sports scores. So you literally have one page of apps. Well, I have one page, but with a bunch of folders with a lot of apps I don't use. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. Now maybe there'll be the day where. Starbucks card will be more ubiquitous to where I can scan with my phone. And, right. But that's just not there yet. Like, this whole push for near-field communication the is, just, systems. is just not going to happen quite yet. And that's why Apple hasn't adopted it yet, because it's not there. Right. It's not even usable. It's not it's Yeah, not I mean, I, I think it's clunky from the reviews that I've read in some places. So, and things don't work right, and so on and so forth. Anyway. So we'll see. Uh, Hopefully, come June or January, you'll be able to say, yeah, I love this phone. Yeah, I'll definitely get back on that one. Um, then there's the tablets. So, not only did it cost, it like, it actually costs more money to sell WebOS than to keep it around. Right. Them, them saying, yeah, we're going to get rid of it, even if it's not selling it, just to, to, to let it die has cost them more money. And now they wrote off a record $3.3 billion. I, I don't even know what to say. Why didn't they keep it? At this point, yeah, why not? And you've got record numbers of people, as I've mentioned so many times now with your touchpads, given their fire sales. Yeah, exactly. You'd think they've got the market now. I don't... <laughs> Let's just move on. I don't, I don't even know what to say anymore. Android, meanwhile, tablets are also going to drop in price. Right. Um, you can see that in this DigiTimes article, which is now, I guess, Defunct. subscribed only. But in the article, they talk about the fact that, hey, if you're waiting on an Android tablet, you should wait until next year because there's going to be a, a big fire sale of a lot of them to come in for the new, which makes new some wave sense, of, right? Yeah. Like, with Christmas coming around, a lot of Android tablets are going to get sold, I mean, inevitably. And then there's going to be a lot of back inventory that didn't sell. So if you're looking for one, it just makes sense. 
I'm finally seeing the on-contract phone like tablets start to drop down in price too. I noticed it may have just been a Black Friday sale, but the Samsung Galaxy Tab 10.1 4G LTE device with Verizon, was, yeah, it was like 199 on contract this weekend, huh. which was usually I think it's like 450 or 599 something like that on contract. Yeah, so that's you gotta, weird. You got to buy it from them and then spend the 30 dollars a month or whatever. That's awful. Yeah, I don't know. Why would anybody pay? Uh, I don't know either. People are crazy. If you did that, I'm, I'm just kidding. It was a really good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, right. This? Yeah. Okay. So, who found this? You did. No, but who found it found it. Oh, yeah. I gave significant reference to the people. So, a fellow on Twitter discovered on Flickr that the most popular cameras right now are in smartphones are in order the iPhone 4, the iPhone 3G, the iPhone 3GS and the iPhone 4S followed by the HTC Evo. But it's a distant number 5. It's pretty clear that for smartphones Apple is taking the cake. Now, and that cannot you cannot make the argument here that Apple has more market share in number of phones. Right, cause because all the research, either way, I saw an article earlier today, but I don't keep listing these because, I mean, mm-hmm. people are sick of seeing it. But Android has a way out there in the lead. They've shipped way more. Right. But it's all about the experience, and the camera phones, the cameras that are in these phones today are, you know, just skyrocketing. And when you talk about the iPhone 4S, that's not even a complete picture because it's it just was released. Yeah. And. And the, it's, the gaining, iPhone 4S it's gaining beautiful it. pictures. It's yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I have a camera with me, so I don't really use it. Yeah. If I want to take a quick photo and like oink, or photo stream it, then do you I use will. that Instagram? Well, you don't use apps. No, do I that. hate it. It seems so dumb. Yeah, I just keep seeing these. So when anyone a photo who... goes on Instagram, it goes to die. That's what I think. I never thought of that. <laughs> I use Twitter if I want to share a photo. Yeah, that's how I am. So. Um, but the most popular cameras of all, like of all cameras that are be- taking like all SLRs, all point and shoot, anything, the iPhone 4 is even beating all of those. I thought that was really interesting, to be honest with you. I figured it'd be some random point and shoot, but really it was no point and shoots. It was all um, DL- DSLRs and the iPhone. So that was pretty incredible. I and, thought. That, and that may not speak necessarily. That, well, the quality may be good enough. It's really just about... Um, whether or not it's portable and quick and easy to use right. and gets the job done. I mean, the Apple iPhone allows you to share on Flickr in one button. No other point-and-shoot allows you to do right. that. So if you've got a point-and-shoot, you're probably not likely to be like, man, I really want to share all my photos on Flickr. It takes at least two or three clicks right. on those. And those DSLRs are probably professionals who stick their work on Flickr anyway. Right. Yeah. So Interesting stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. Zynga. Oh, yeah, Zynga. So I had no idea that they had such, like, a tough culture, and essentially it was not creative, and a lot of their a lot of their um, employees have been complaining about the fact that they work long hours, the pay is not all that fantastic, and there's not a lot of room for creativity. So several other, like, game makers and EA have been looking at sort of sc- you know, hounding in on their employees saying, hey, why don't you come work for us, why don't you come work for us? Which I think is interesting, given that like the popularity of Farmville and all those other things. I mean, Zynga's primarily their profit model is mostly on in-app purchasing and virtual goods sales, right? 
Right. And when we were talking about this last time, the sustainability of that is a bit questionable. So when you've got a company whose IPO is coming around pretty soon and their future is kind of questionable as to whether or not they're going to continue to climb, and um, it would make sense that a lot of people would want to jump ship. I mean, especially if they're being worked like dogs for a ideology that they may not even agree with. Right. So I enjoyed this uh, quote that uh, Zynga should be an example of entrepreneurship at its best. Instead, it's going to be a Harvard Business School case study on founder overreach that will be a cautionary tale. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we talk about these IPOs and how, man, this company, but when you start to look at it at all, anyone who's familiar with it sort of says, eh. Hmm. It's too bad for Zynga. Yeah. So, living life on the edge. How many of you, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one, because we talked about this before the show, who's gone on a plane and gone through the air and had their uh, had their phone left on? Have you ever done it? Yeah. Yeah, I do it every time. I think pretty much every flight I ever go on. I, I'm just waiting on it to pick up one day and my phone to start ringing. I just like, okay, so this article <clears throat> was passed around a bit, and it it basically sort of speaks aloud what everybody's thinking. Why is it that the FAA requires all electronic devices to be stowed away before takeoff and during landing? Even the damn Kindles. Like, What is that? What's going on there? And so this article seems to point out the fact that it is mostly... It, like, I thought, okay, so I had mused about this before, and I thought that the reason was because they didn't want people to be distracted during critical parts of flying. So, like, when you're flying up and when you're landing are the only times where there's, like, a lot of action happening and you need to be on your feet if something bad happens in a plane. See, I've always assumed, like, the article, I believe the article said this, I remember I read this a few days ago now when you posted it, essentially, like, they worried about the transmitting of things and yada, 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 which is kind of, as pointed out, bogus. Right. And, yeah, there's absolutely no argument to say that if you have an airplane mode device that it's transmitting and it's, that's essentially what it's for. Right. But if you want to make the argument of safety, that's the only thing I could really see that being for now watch the FAA listen to our podcast. It's like, yeah, that's what we were doing. But, and then millions all over the country will be like those oh, guys. Those freaking guys. Yeah. But yeah, there's, I think there's been studies. They cite one in here, how there's been insufficient findings. Um, I know, I know that in this in this article, I quoted one. I pulled I pulled one quote here, that it says, according to the FAA, seven hundred twelve million passengers flew within the United States in twenty ten. Let's assume that just point zero one percent of those passengers, about two people per Boeing was seven thirty seven, a conservative number at that, left a cell phone, e reader, or laptop turned on during takeoff and landing. That would mean seven million people on 11 million flights, endangered the lives of their fellow passengers. I, I saw that thought it was pretty hilarious, to be honest with you. And, But there's never been a crash. Right. F- f- for since the time that this has been implemented in society, this just hasn't happened. Besides, Mythbusters said it was okay, so it's got to be okay. Yeah, it's got to be okay. Shoot. Because it was on an episode of Mythbusters. Uh, okay. Anything else? Uh, this open sourcing? Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Well, um, this came from a, f- a friend of mine. 
um, he's a big advocate for open source because uh, he's in the computer science school. And you know how computer sciences are in their open sourcing. Right. right? So, right. And we've talked about open sourcing and like keeping things open in the past and how that hasn't necessarily been a strategy that's sustainable or like has been proven in the marketplace. I mean, it's always been about Apple will tell you what you want, right. bring it out there, and it ends up selling like hotcakes. The openness is more of a geeky way of using a phone or a, a tablet. Niche, yeah. or it's a niche market. But open source in terms of back-end development is actually a really powerful way of making sure your app or whatever is at its top quality. So this article talks about, you know, how it's great advertising. You can attract talent towards your product. You um, can reduce the duplication of effort. So like if three people are already thinking about it now, if it's open sourced on GitHub, then everybody can work on the same project and make it even better. And, um, the only caveat to open sourcing, according to the founder of GitHub, uh, Tom Preston Warner, Werner, is you can't open source something that's core business value. Like Apple's not going to open source the source code for the iPhone or because, any of its software. Well, they have in some of in some right, cases. In some like cases. the SDK is an example of open sourcing right. there in some way. But like completely open sourcing the code so you can modify it is core value. And provides questionable value to its end users, which are primarily not geeky right. people. And so, the use of that code, if you do use it, is illegal anyway. And right. they have been known to take action. So if if you're going to open source, the reason you would do it is you've got some something you want to test out there and get more people involved. And then once you have it ready, you can close it off and continue to develop on it. Capitalize so on it. open sourcing seems like a beginning, but not like an entirety for a project. At some point, there are some projects that need to be kind of quietly put away and need to be considered done for right. the sake of business, for the sake of users. Right. I mean, yeah, to actually capitalize on anything you make. But um, in terms of starting things off and kind of in the development and testing even, it makes sense to keep things open. But um, you wonder, like, the, and so the only reason why this hasn't been successful on the Android completely is just because of the poor user experience at the end. It's when you have so many people relying on open source code is when it becomes a problem. Right. But you would think that it wouldn't be in the sense that if there were, you know, 30 great people working on open source, that it would be probably the best quality great, product yeah. ever. But, um, you know, maybe that's a question of developer culture. Like maybe they're not doing the strenuous testing they should be. Maybe that's tainting it or maybe they don't have enough money to back it. So See, that's what I always think it is. I mean, there's time. not enough incentive for people. I mean, yeah, it's really great for a little while, but it's sort of like the Linux standard. I mean, yeah, it's great for some people, but there's no incentive to keep pushing forward because people aren't getting paid for it. And at some point people are like, oh, I've got to go do something else. But anyway, yeah, I thought this was a strong case for that. Yeah, really fast before we close up, Mm. breaking news. Uh, The FCC has accepted AT&T's request to withdraw uh, from the T-Mobile merger. Oh. Yeah. AT&T has said, well, we're going to pull away for a little while. And uh, the they uh, accepted that and said they've actually released a 109-page document and said, uh, 
AT&T was likely to build out their LTE network regardless of what happened with the buyout of T-Mobile. And that the cons outweighed the pros. So it looks like for now, T-Mobile will stand on its own. Hmm. Yep. I guess that's a... It's, it's kind of a... I don't know if that's a win or a loss for... I mean, it's a really neutral thing for AT&T. Is it a win for T-Mobile? And their subscribers, I guess? Eh. I don't know. I mean, you talk about the whole net neutrality. You talk about the whole monopoly thing. That's a loss. It's a win for um, consumers. But... I don't know if necessarily it's a win in terms of service. I mean, yeah, I, having a super carrier like that. You get ubiquitous service almost. Almost. Yeah. Not quite, but close. Right. Um, well, Sprint was happy. That's all that really matters, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Sprint's official statement. Yes. What does it say? Uh, higher some... prices for consumers, eliminate jobs, harm competition, and dampen innovation across the wireless industry. At Sprint, where their uh, shares are $2.50 a share, they have the same view and applaud the actions of the FCC. So, why would you want to limit the iPhone? Uh, I don't know. I leave you with that (laughs) thought-provoking question. Until next time. Sponsor us. Yeah, weeklydownload.com forward slash sponsorship. Or email us at contact at weeklydownload.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye.